I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that path. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. One who enters the gate is a shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this, this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Savannah. It's so good to have her back with us. We are thankful for her. And as classes resume on Tuesday for her at Duke Divinity School, we continue to lift her up in prayer. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. It's good to be in the presence of one another, even if that presence is virtual or online. I encourage you to greet one another there in the chat if you're watching this through Facebook. And uh, I would love to hear the ways that you worship when you watch the service. Are you singing along with the band? I know I find myself just continuing to lift up my voice, praising God, giving thanks for the way that they lead us in that time of worship. So I just would be curious uh, right there in the chat, share how you worship with us as you're participating. But at this moment, let's go to God in prayer. God of grace and God of mercy, you are faithful. And that faithfulness encourages us, empowers us, because you are always there. You are I am. And today, Lord, as we look into your word once again and, and understand a little bit more about another one of these I am statements, Lord, may it truly be revealing to us who you are, for you are who you said you were. So now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you transform the words that proceed from my mouth and as they fall upon our ears and penetrate our hearts, may they be changed into the word of God that we need to hear today as individuals and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, Amen. Language that we use seems to change and evolve. Words come into play. For example, this past year, you probably never heard the word unprecedented quite as much as you did this past year. Things are always changing and evolving. And for example, 20 years ago, if you asked someone for the Wi-Fi password, they might think you're talking about some kind of understanding between you and your Wi-Fi uh, you would have no idea what Wi-Fi meant. 
In fact, if, if you were talking to somebody about what we're doing right now, you might say that we're streaming something. But 20 years ago, you would have had no idea what that meant. You would have thought we're talking about going down by a stream. Maybe we were doing a baptism. You couldn't even Google it 20 years ago because Google wasn't yet in existence. Language changes over time, and it's many times in the context of that moment that we fully can understand it. But things taken out of context, we would not understand it. For example, in the tradition service today, uh, Derek has the choir sing a hymn that has not been heard by so many different people, bringing in the sheaves. Yes, sheaves, not sheep, which would be kind of fitting for this passage of Scripture today. Bringing in the sheaves. We don't even sing that anymore. One, because we're not even sure about what it's talking about. But two, it's an agricultural image that many people have not ever had experience with. But at the time it was written, more people understood. Things have a context. And sometimes if we don't really understand the context, we don't understand it at all. But even though things change, and even though the context changes, I am reminded of that verse from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God endures forever. While the word of God does endure forever, if we don't fully understand the context behind that word, we're going to miss out. We're going to miss out on some great significance of what God wants for us to have. <laughs> so sometimes while our context might be different, and we may struggle to fully understand some of that, the word of God, We've got to look back at what the original meaning was. And, you know, Jesus had a very special way of talking. Many times he would teach in parables. Jesus just had this unique way, and I find it so fascinating how there are times in the Scriptures and the Gospels that we will get a note that as Jesus is teaching, even those closest to him, his disciples, they don't get it. <laughs> They're right there in the context, and yet it's straight over their head. They're confused. They don't understand, and many times they'll have to ask Jesus for clarification. And so maybe that makes you and myself feel a whole lot better when we read the Scriptures, and we just don't get it. You're in good company. We don't always understand it in that moment. Now, as Jesus was teaching, especially as it's recorded in the Gospel of John, he uses seven different statements. He uses these I am statements to identify who he is. In fact, there was one that we don't really count necessarily as one of those seven I am statements. That one encounter, uh, when he encountered a woman at the well. He's talking to her and he knows all about her. She knows there's something significant. She's a Samaritan woman and... Jesus is speaking to her, and she knows that something special is going on right here. And she says to him, tell me, when the Messiah comes, we will know all things will be revealed to us. And Jesus there says, I am he. I am he. And he goes on, and he speaks about the living water of which she would never thirst. And that image comes up a little bit later in the very, what we do count as the first I am statement. We talked about this one a couple of weeks ago. I am 
the bread of life. Now, when they heard Jesus say, I am the bread of life, they probably would have been able to make that context and that connection that for us, it's not as natural. But they probably would have taken it back to being reminded of the bread that came down from heaven during the time of Exodus. They would have remembered that bread of life that God provided for them that they themselves just simply called manna. What is it? The question But Jesus says here earlier, I am the bread of life. And they would have understood the context and made that connection. Later, last week, uh, when Pastor Brad was preaching, he talked about, I am the light of the world. See, in John chapter 9, as Pastor Brad said, Jesus, he encounters a blind man and his disciples ask Jesus, why is this man blind? Was it something he did or that his parents did? And Jesus said it was neither. This man is blind so that the glory of the Lord could be revealed through him. And Jesus then spit in the mud, spit in the dirt, made paste, put it upon the man's eyes and tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. And when he washes, he can see. And Jesus reveals, I am the light of the world. And again, sometimes we miss that connection. We don't make those connections, the full connections. And when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, they would have very likely gone right back to Genesis, to that creation story. How in the beginning, the earth was dark, formless, and void, and the Spirit hovered above the waters. And then God spoke, and God said, let there be light. This was not, let there be a sun. No, let there be light. The light of the world before there was the sun, the moon, the stars, God spoke the light, the light of the world. And so when Jesus says to the blind man, I am the light of the world, and he speaks about how the darkness cannot overcome the light, we sometimes miss that. I mean, it still speaks to us because, as Pastor Brad talked about, we have been in moments of pure darkness, sometimes physically, sometimes emotionally, sometimes spiritually. But even in those moments of darkness, God finds a way to pierce that darkness with his light. I think they might have picked up on that connection, even though it's a little more difficult sometimes for us. So context, context is everything. And today, as we're looking at the next I am statement of Christ, it's important for us to try to make sure that we understand the full context. And Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep. Now, John chapter 10 is really a continuation of John chapter 9. In fact, there's no real break in, in the story. We, it's continuing John chapter 9 in the story of the blind man that was healed. Now, if you go back and you reread John chapter 9, you'll recognize that after the man has received his sight, after Jesus has identified himself as the light of the world, the gospel writer John throws in this little nugget. Oh, and it happened to be a Sabbath. It happened to be a Sabbath day. And oh, this was going to create issues. The Pharisees were up in arms because the blind man who now could see had to go and to be before the Pharisees, before the leaders of the synagogue, to be able to certify, to be able to declare that this man that once was blind could now see. And so as he goes to them, they're questioning 
Are you really, were you really blind? You could probably see before, right? Tell us, tell us the truth. And the man continues to profess, I was blind, but now I see. And as he's continuing this argument with the Pharisees, they're getting so up in arms, they're going crazy about it. And so they call out for his parents to come. His parents come. Now his parents are pretty intimidated because the Pharisees have the power, the power to be able to to reject people from the synagogue. They have the ability to banish people and, and that's a huge thing. I mean, it's not like if you got mad at the preacher at one synagogue that you could just walk across the street and go to another one. No. I mean, the synagogue, it was their community center. It's where they came, they fellowshiped with one another, they worshiped, they learned, and they ultimately conducted business transactions with those people that were a part of that. These are the people you knew. These are the people you could trust. To be banished, to be put out, in the community of faith, that would be awful. And so the blind man who now can see, his parents are called for them to give witness, to testify whether or not this man was born blind. His parents, again, they're terrified. What are we going to do? What are we going to do if they get mad and they kick us out? I mean, can you imagine that? A religious community trying to tell somebody they weren't welcome to be a part of it? Not that hard. But the parents were terrified. So they, they say, yes, he was born blind, but, but how this happened, we don't know. You'll have to ask him. He's old enough. And so once again, they call him forth, and you know, you can go back and read it yourself. You see them going back and forth, and the blind, blind man that now can see has some... He, he's probably gone on to become an attorney after this because of the way that they argue back and forth. And he tells them, isn't it funny that you seem to have all this understanding of God, and yet all I know... As I was blind, but now I see. And that drives them over the top. They seize him, and they cast him out. They banish him. These religious authorities, these leaders of the community of faith, tell this man, essentially, you're not welcome here anymore. Jesus finds him. <laughs> you know... I can't imagine the emotions that this man was going through. I can't imagine it because as he's going through all of this, he's received sight. He has a whole life before him that he can now see. He can see the world in front of him. This man that was blind, sitting on the side of the road, and all he could do was beg. This man now, he's ready to live the life that he has waited a lifetime for. And now, he's been cast out. <laughs> Just when things were starting to finally go right, he's cast out. And Jesus comes and finds him. That's what Jesus does, isn't it? So many times when we find ourselves in darkness, the light shines. When we find ourselves hungering, the bread of life is offered. And here... As Jesus encounters this man, and we pick up in John chapter 10, Jesus continues the story. Now, a few years ago, my wife and I had an opportunity to go to the Holy Land. It was a great trip. I tell you, if you ever have an opportunity made available to you to go do this. Uh, see, back in the day, we used to travel. 
you would get on these things called airplanes, and you could go to different places. And we flew across over to Israel. And it was amazing. We got to see so many different things, the church, the nativity. We got to see the place where uh, Golgotha. We got to see where they laid him in the tomb, according to the, the, the legend and history. One of my favorite things, though, was when we went to Bethlehem. For there in Bethlehem, there is a place called the Shepherd's Field. And in the Shepherd's Field, there's just, it's an opportunity. It's a place where people would take their sheep. There's a hillside on this way that the city is on, and hillside on this way that the city is on, and this way. And so in the middle is this valley. And so people would go and they would take their sheep. And the Shepherd's Field is so significant because if you think about it, the Shepherd's Field in Bethlehem, where the angels revealed to the shepherds about the birth of the king. Shepherds Field in Bethlehem, where Samuel anointed King David. It was just so overwhelming, and it was so cool, because as we were looking down over the shepherd's field, we saw at one point the flock of sheep being led by a shepherd. Now, the fascinating thing was when we were in Israel, wherever we went, we would be on this tour bus, and wherever we went, there would be sheep in the fields. Brought a couple of pictures, thought we'd share. These pictures of the sheep in the fields. And whenever you saw sheep in the field, and, and they were scattered all over the place at times. And they would be sometimes so dirty that it just looked like a bunch of rocks until you saw it moving. And wherever you saw sheep in the field, you would see a shepherd. You know, I'm sure you've heard, sheep aren't the brightest animals in the shed. They are not very uh, gullible. They will follow one another. I've heard it said that if one sheep heads off the side of a cliff, the whole flock will follow. Sheep require a shepherd to be able to take care of them. And so out there in many of the fields, what you would find is in the field there would be a sheepfold. A sheepfold would be a circle of rocks or some kind of barrier. And there would be an opening in the middle uh, in, in the circle. It would not completely go all the way around. And so because in that opening is how a shepherd could lead the sheep into that. And on top of the sheepfold, many times there would be briars or sharp objects to prevent something from going over the wall to get to the sheep. When we were in Israel, we saw these walls that, as the pictures would show, like shards of glass that were put into the top of the wall so that nothing could get over it. We would use barbed wire. <laughs> Boy, they were ahead of their time. But as there was that sheepfold with the shards of glass around the top, there was that opening in the middle. That opening in the middle that was where they would come in and where they would go out. I want to read just the passage. Take a first little bit of these verses of John chapter 10 once again. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters the gate by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens up the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. 
They'll not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. I bet you already understand. I bet you already understand because I think you probably already know what's coming next. I mean, you already heard the words read by Savannah a few moments ago. I think you already understand that what Jesus is teaching them is that to enter into the sheepfold is through Jesus. And once you are there, the shepherd, what the shepherd would do at nighttime when he would lead his sheep into the sheepfold, he would lay at that opening. He would lay and literally he would become the door of the sheep. No one would come in or leave outside of him. And Jesus is talking about how he goes on and he says that, so again, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves, came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. See, again, if we read this out of context and not understand that he is directly responding to the actions of the religious leaders of the time, then we're missing it. See, they were trying to be the gate. They were trying to be the gatekeepers. They were trying to be the door. Jesus, Jesus condemns that. Jesus says, Nobody has the authority or the right to turn somebody away from being in the presence of God. And humanity, we must continue to hear that Jesus says to us, I am the door of the sheep. I am the gate. Who are we to ever turn someone away from being in the presence of God? But the beautiful thing to me is to know that even a dumb sheep like me is welcome into his presence. And once you're there, once you're in his presence, there ain't nothing, there ain't nobody that can stop it. And Jesus is going to lay right there in that gate. And then another way of saying it is, if they're going to get to me, they got to go through him first. <laughs> Folks, I find hope in knowing that my God sent his son to literally lay down his life to be the gate for me, to be the door for me. And the beautiful thing is, he's that same opening for you. That same opening, he lays at the door, lays down his life so that you may enter into a life, and not just life, but an abundant life. I am the door of the sheep. Let us pray. Lord, in your presence, we are safe. In your presence, we are transformed. In your presence, we find joy. In your presence, we find hope. In your presence, we find life, and we find it more abundantly. And God, I pray that we all might truly understand that Without you, we're just wandering sheep. <laughs> Without you, we will find ourselves astray. But you're the one that calls us. 
into your presence. You're the one that welcomes us. You're the one that lays down your life for us. And so, Lord, help us to walk through that door. Maybe today we have found ourselves in situations and circumstances that maybe we felt we're hungering for something more. Maybe we have felt like we were in the darkness. And today, maybe we even find ourselves outside of the gate. Maybe we find ourselves, for whatever reason, outside of being connected to the body of Christ. Outside of that relationship with you. Outside of hearing your voice and knowing you. And so today, if there's one of those people that, that finds themselves on that outside, Lord, may they hear that invitation that comes from you to come. Come into this life. Come into this life that is offered only through you. And come into this abundance of life that you have in store. So that we might find ourselves renewed. Filled with hope being restored, seeing the light. We pray these things in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.